something that the woman has access to that he does not. He is dependent on her to meet a basic need. Well, if you search this story of the Samaritan woman on Google Images, you'll find that most of the depictions of the story show the woman crouched low at Jesus' feet, Jesus standing up straight. And isn't there a lot communicated just in the posture of two characters? Well, in the image on the front of your bulletin, you notice that the two characters are equal, looking directly into each other's eyes. Each has an arm outstretched toward the other, with a palm open, receiving. Each is sitting at the table, in the same posture, on equal ground. This is Jesus, the one in a situation who has the power, consciously setting it down and expressing his own need. And the mutuality is what is most striking about this story. It seems that the woman is used to being treated as less than. She has come to the well at noon, in the hottest part of the day, presumably so she can be alone. She doesn't come with the other women of her town in the morning to beat the heat. She would rather suffer the midday sun than be confronted by judgmental glances. She's tired of being the butt of jokes. Tired of being the one people wonder about. What's wrong with her? Why can't she keep a husband? Of course, we must be careful when we try to place our current understanding of marriage and divorce onto this first century woman. But neither Jesus nor the author of the Gospel of John placed any judgment on the woman's history of several marriages. And, of course, as a woman at the time, she had no legal right to initiate divorce. It could be that she'd been widowed and remarried several times. We just don't know. But it is likely that her past was not her fault. Somehow, though, it is important to her that Jesus knows her in some deep way. She's surprised in this encounter because Jesus knows something about her past. But in a deeper way, she is shocked to realize that this stranger, this rabbi, sees her. He has come to her with empty hands, thirsty, asking for a drink of water. And from that place of mutual need, he truly sees her. And it is in being seen that she is saved. She goes and tells everyone about this Christ, this Messiah, and many come to know that he brings salvation. Well, the cross hadn't happened yet, had it? How could they be talking about the crucifixion as the moment of salvation if all they know about Jesus is that he is a traveling teacher who crosses boundaries that no one crosses and truly sees the heart of people? And that is why the woman and I are from the same soup. I long to be seen, deeply seen. Do you? Do you have friends or loved ones who see you deeply, truly, just as you are?
around people who didn't know my story, people who didn't see me. And the people in my life who set down their own privilege and judgment and assumptions about me and listened, they saved me. Every time someone heard my story and received it, I was saved. My identity clicked back into focus, little by little, as people in my life, sometimes complete strangers, were Jesus to me. To be truly seen, a relationship must be mutual. Two people must assume the same posture, seated, willing to wait, palms open and arms stretched out, eyesight equal. The people who heard my story and were quick to explain away the pain, oh, you're young, don't get married again. Or the people who demanded an explanation in order to have compassion, they didn't come to me as Jesus did, equally needy and equally open-hearted. It was a tender season in my life. And for years, I felt that if I was with someone who didn't know the story of my marriage and my divorce, they didn't really know me. The story was alive inside of me, waiting to jump out at any moment. I was so thirsty for living water, thirsty to be seen and known. This woman at the well, she and I are from the same soup. We're made of the same ingredients, both of us deeply thirsty to be seen. What is in you that you tell yourself no one else should see? Who are the people who deeply see you? And when you are seen, does it feel like salvation? Did you know the word salvation in Greek is the same word as the word for healing? And we think of a salve, a healing salve, salvation. Salvation in this context is immediate. It feels like taking a breath of fresh air. It smells like rain. Jesus offers the woman at the well water that will become in her a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. When we talk about salvation and eternal life, we often are talking about some deferred thing that will happen, some someday event that will save us then. But Jesus says eternal life is within her. That healing is always available to her, like a well within her that never runs dry. When we see one another deeply from a posture of mutuality, we are healed. We are saved. And when we are healed, we heal the world. Salvation is available now in every moment. Salvation is fresh water that we gulp, water that we cup our hands to sip. To be deeply known is to be saved. Well, we are practicing this kind of knowing and seeing in our Wednesday night soup suppers this month. One by one, people are invited to share their story, whatever it might be. And in a circle, we listen. We do not offer advice or thoughts or feedback or, wow, you're so brave. We receive the story, and that's it. And it is healing. 
a big deal. But as I sat in that circle, and people listened and held silence with me and received my story, I was healed. It felt vulnerable. It was sometimes hard to form my mouth around the words I wanted to say. And afterward, I had a vulnerability hangover. You ever have that? <laughs> and yet, in sharing my story and listening to the stories of others, this Lent, I have been taking sips of living water. When we, like Jesus, enter into mutual relationship and deeply hear one another, we heal the world. The woman at the well was a disciple, an evangelist. She shared her story, and a whole community realized that salvation was available to them. So I wonder.